Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. You know what? The biggest lie told to humans by Satan is that you can, in fact, disobey God and still live. And this has been our number one problem since day one. Mm-hmm. Let us go real quick back to Genesis chapter 2. Starting in verse 9. And in that garden, the Lord God caused, caused to grow from the ground every tree that is desirable and pleasing to the sight and good, suitable, pleasant for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge, recognition of the difference between good and evil. Mm-hmm. And so, if we come down to verse 15, so the Lord God took the man he had made and settled him in the garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may freely eat the fruit from every tree of the garden. Amen. And beloved, we just read that the tree of life was also in the garden. So we must beg the question, out of all the trees, why not that tree to be eaten of? But anywho, the Lord God said to the man, you may freely eat the fruit from every tree of the garden. Verse 17, Genesis 2. But only from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
you shall not eat. Otherwise, on the day that you eat from it, you shall most certainly die because of your disobedience. Amen. Thus saith the Lord. So, what happens? Well, if we shoot over here to Genesis 3, the first lie ever told to a human being, here we go. Genesis 3, chapter 3. Now, we just read what the Lord God told the man whom he had made. That if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, on that day, you will certainly die. Mm -hmm. Chapter 3, Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty, subtle, skilled in deceit, than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent, Satan, said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the, serp to the uh, serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden except the fruit from the tree which is in the middle of the garden God said you shall not eat from it nor touch it well beloved we know he said nothing about touching it but he did say don't eat from it otherwise you will die verse 4 here's the great big old lie. But the serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. For God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. That is, you will have greater awareness. And you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delightful to look at and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise and insightful, she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband with her and he ate. Then, verse 7, Genesis 3, the eyes of the two of them were opened, that is, their awareness increased, and they knew that they were naked, and they fastened fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Amen. So, beloved, mm-hmm, this is where we see the birth of one saved, always saved. And I made this posting, <laughs> right, Holy Spirit, some months ago over there on Facebook, a.k.a. The Lion's Den. 
about this observation. Holy Spirit gave me this observation because the Lord God gave instructions about what to eat and what not to eat. And he also gave the man that he created, whom he created, a command that if disobeyed, well, there's consequence for it. Death, eternal separation. Because we know that when Adam partook of that forbidden fruit, he didn't die on the spot. So what died that day? Because death came. Adam's spirit died that day. Because the Bible tells us that Adam went on to live to about 930 years. Yeah, 930 years Adam lived after this historical event that went down in the garden that got him and his disobedient wife kicked out of. So, here we see Satan telling God's children that you can disobey God and still live. And not only that, but question and doubt God's authority. Can't you see how this is playing out today in modern times in the church? You see, I'm going to watch my mouth today because it is horrendous what's coming out of these apostate churches today. How can you even fix your face that we don't have to obey God? That you can disobey him and still go to heaven because of some sinner's prayer? Because of some confession of the mouth, but the heart is far from him. This is Satan's playbook being played every single week, beloved. And this is why we must be over here in Romans chapter 6. You got to understand. You must Consider yourselves to be dead to sin. The problem is, I don't personally know of any, not to say that it's not, but because if this topic of complete obedience and allegiance to Jesus was truly being taught, there would not have been no false doctrine at all called once saved, always saved. Beloved, it really don't take a whole lot of brain power to understand with your cognitive thinking. Do you think that God is is going to allow himself to be mocked? 
the command from heaven from day one was obey me. Obey me. And yes, Holy Spirit, I heard that. And that has been challenged from the day of the garden to today. God's authority has been challenged. Uh-uh-uh. But guess what? He's going to have the final say. And if we think that we can live these professing born-again lives in willful sin, you will perish. I will perish. So let us come over here to Romans 6 because you all, well, for some of you, you all know I love Romans 6 because Romans chapter 6 opened up my eyes because I must have been thinking that I can't help but to sin. As if sin still had control over me. Although I was claiming Jesus' name, I was professing myself to be a Christian, but I was living a life of deliberate sin. I knew completely what I was doing. I may not have biblical understanding, but I knew enough that this this does not please God. That's why I was always back and forth on the fence. No peace. Not to mention being in two adulterous remarriages because my covenant spouse was still alive. So, I was a mess. I was a mess. And so, once the Lord started really pulling on me and drawing me to come to my senses, that didn't happen until like the summer of 2019. That I had to get serious about my salvation because it was like, what was going on in my life was so toxic. No peace. I was always sick. I was always depressed, suicidal. I was I was bitter, angry. But yet, I'm supposed to be experiencing the kingdom, peace and joy and righteousness. Well, I can tell you this. There was no peace. There were, there was no joy. And most certainly, there was no righteousness at all. Was I even born again? Because now that I've truly repented, I put away the sin Holy Spirit stepped in and cleared out my whole entire life. And now he's teaching me God's word. And not to be a careless listener, but actually a doer of the word. And what happened? The Lord immediately put me to work. To let my brethren know that we cannot live lives like we did before coming 
to Christ. There must be a dramatic, drastic change. You can't say, just like I couldn't say, that I'm born again, but I'm still living in, apparently, adultery, fornication, weed smoking, being divisive, angry, bitter, lying, stealing. No, beloved, we cannot live a life. And then I'm, uh, I must have been thinking, well, you know what? Jesus knows my heart. He understands. I, you know, it's so-and-so. This is why I'm behaving like this. But, be beloved, we all must take accountability for our salvation. And then the Lord points me over here to Romans 6. Now, I've read this before, but because I was a listener only, I didn't apply. I didn't have the wherewithal to glean the wisdom that was being presented to me. Because for all those many years, I'm sitting up under the bishop and the fake phony pastor. No one came over to Romans 6 to tell us we have been set free from the bondage of sin. Because they were too busy telling us that we have been set free from the bondage of debt. I don't want to know about debt. No, tell me that if I don't get my stuff together, I too shall perish. And so Holy Spirit had me read Romans 6 and then the lights came on. I said, uh-huh, mm-hmm. And then by God's grace, he's given me the opportunity to share this and teach this so we can all glean from this. Romans chapter 6 will open up your spiritual eyes. We have been duped. We have been lied to. You cannot listen. Please. You cannot live a life of debauchery, sin, wickedness, iniquity, whatever you want to call it. It is called disobedience. And still even expect that you will go to heaven, that you will inherit God's kingdom, and you once you are called out of this bodysuit and you and you enter eternity as a whoremonger, a whoremongerer, a liar, a harlot, a homosexual, a murderer, a liar. Do you think that you would stand before Jesus and he would say, welcome my faithful servant into the kingdom? Beloved, the hour is short. Christ Jesus is on his way back. And he will, in fact, 
have his reward with him. And he will give to every last single person. According, uh-huh, according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Beloved, we better be studying Jeremiah 17 verse 10. Because verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the Lord says in verse 10, I know it. Mm-hmm. He, he searches the hearts. He tried the reins. Even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Oh, beloved, so much needs to be unpacked. All I'm saying in today's podcast that we must live lives that are characterized by righteousness. We must obey Jesus. I am not going to get off debunking once again, once saved, always saved. I am not going to debunk eternal security, false doctrine. We should all by now know we are to obey Christ. That's the, that is the sanctifying work of Holy Spirit. First Peter 1, because, well, for today anyway, I don't care what anyone got to say about, no, obedience is a work, that's legalism, living righteous, no, that's rituals. You got to be out of your living mind. So, you mean to tell me? child of Satan, okay, because apparently he taught you and your bishop well that we can disobey God and still live when God says, if you disobey my command, you shall surely, surely, that means without any doubt, try me if you want to, Mm -hmm. you will die. Eternal separation. And and what happened? Adam and Eve, they were banished from the presence of the Lord. And we all know how that worked out, right? Because see, in order to appreciate and get the full context of Romans 6, we must go to the tail end of Romans 5 because Romans 6 opens up with a question. And if you just start cold in Romans 6, you won't get the sarcastic question, rhetorical question, obviously, that Paul asks. So let's go back to Romans 5. Let's see, starting in, um, let's see, let's say verse 17. Romans 5, verse 17, and then we're going to just flow right into Romans 6. So, 
verse 17 of Romans 5. For if by the one man's offense death reign through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. And we all know what Paul is talking about, right? Adam. As we just read over in Genesis 2 and Genesis 2, 17, because that's where God gave the command. And then uh, Genesis 3. Is it Genesis? Yeah, Genesis 3. The fall of man. That whole chapter. So back over here. Romans 5, 19. For as by one man's disobedience... Many, no, 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 back that up. Verse 18, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's, Jesus Christ, righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, that's Adam, many were made sinners. So also by one man's, Jesus Christ's, obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And you know what, beloved, sad to say, many a false teacher run their little hips over here saying, see, no matter what you do as sin abounds, well, guess what? Grace much more abounds. And that's the mindset. And so here we go, Romans 6, because Paul is about to deal with that mess. He opens up. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. I like to say, absolutely not. Are you mad? Certainly not. How shall we? Who died to sin live any longer in it? Paul is asking one of the most profound questions that turned completely the lights on for me. It it opened up my understanding and I was like, huh, 
You got a point there. How can we, who have died to sin, well, how can we live in it any longer? Because see, then that begs, yes, Holy Spirit, that begs a question. Do you know that you died to sin? Because, you see, I haven't been up in these brick and mortar, built mortar buildings in a while. Are they still not teaching that we have actually died to sin? That old man was crucified on the cross. Christ nailed it to the cross. We are just like Christ died to sin. Well, we too die to sin. And the problem is many do not know they have died to sin. Because these are, these are they who say, we all still sin. We all are sinners. We all got something. So, Cynthia, you mean to tell me you don't sin? We all sin. No, we all don't. Listen, Paul was like, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were, we were buried with him. See, in order to be buried, you must have died, right? The old man died. And this is the problem we're having in the 21st century modern church. No one seems to want to read these scriptures for themselves. They rather go to somebody's mega church or local church and just hide out somewhere and allow the bishop to spoon feed you twisted, taken out of context scriptures. Oh, they love to go to any scripture about eternal life and blessings, blessings and prosperity. But then where is the doctrinal teaching on this? That we died to sin. If so facto, we are not supposed to be living in sin so that grace may abound more. Do you, do you really think that you are pulling this over God's eyes? He knows exactly what's going on here. Therefore... Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Yes, Holy Spirit, this is a born-again, resurrected, regenerated life. 
We are supposed to be living anew. Not living a old, that old way of living, sin, darkness, rebellion, disobedience. No, because if you are still living like that, what's the point of confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior? Everyone wants to be saved, but then no one wants to obey. Jesus is Lord. That means he owns you. He purchased you. He, he bought your freedom with his precious blood. You and I are not our own. We belong to him. And he has the right to command how we ought to live. And our jobs is to obey. Not, well, you know, Jesus understands. No, He's not going to understand that, beloved. So, verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Absolutely. So, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Amen. See, beloved. So, no one should be running around here talking about, well, you know, we all still sin. No. Well, then you have not been born again. That, that old man has not been crucified. You are not born again then. Yeah, I'm, I'm here to break it to you. So, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Point blank, put a period, good night, Irene. Paul clearly lays out for us the whole crux of the matter. For he, verse 7, Romans 6, study it, beloved. For he who has died has been freed from sin. You have been set at liberty. Mm -hmm. You are no longer a slave to sin. Now listen, verse 8, okay? Now, okay, so everybody just calm down. If we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. 
before the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, and I don't know how we are not getting verse 11 of Romans 6. You want to know why? Because the wolf pastor is too busy running you over there to John 10, 28 about how no man can pluck you out of Jesus' hand. Well, how about running us over here to Romans 6, 11? Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Look at how the, the Amplified says verse 11. Look, hold on. Let us start in verse 10, because I was reading out of the New King James. Look at how the Amplified reads it from verse 10 to 11. For the death that he died, he died to sin, ending its power and paying the sinner's debt once and for all. And the life that he lives, he lives to glorify God. Amen. In unbroken fellowship with him. Here we go. Even so, consider yourselves just like Christ considered himself dead to sin. Obviously, right? So Paul is like, even so. Likewise, consider yourselves to be dead to sin and your relationship to it broken. Amen. And that's the memo in the memo. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's the memo in the memo. Your relationship to sin is broken. Broken. Divorced. Separated. No longer in union. Nope. So, I don't know why you still think that it's okay to continue in fornication, idolatry, adultery, homosexual by perversion, effeminate, being a drunkard, a swindler, a greedy, a greedy covetous thief, a liar, a murderer. Uh-uh. No, beloved, those things only end in death. So, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin and your relationship to it broken, but alive to God in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you, this chapter gets better and better. Because you see, we can't just be listening to these verses. We must do what it is telling us to do. Namely, verse 12. 
Therefore, do not. Okay? Do not, beloved. Stop it. Because you see, it, it's, it's no longer cute and funny. Because as we talk about these things, we may ha ha kiki, but at the end of the day, we must snap out of it and come to our senses as we ought to and stop sinning. Because, beloved, many people who profess Jesus as their Savior, they think it's funny. They actually think it's funny to willfully sin like it's some big joke. Ha ha kiki. And so I was like today, you know what? You see, that's why I'm not going to keep wasting my time to preaching to you. Well, not to you. I'm talking to the people I was talking to earlier today. I'm like, you see, that's why I'm really going to stop talking about salvation because you all think this is funny. This is not funny. You know, but these are grown folk. So we can ha ha kiki and but I'm I'm being serious. Okay? I'm I'm trying really hard not to be the as they say wet blanket. But what's truly in your heart is going to come out your mouth. Because I could try to suppress it and, you know, that whole thing about a time and a place for everything. But when people are checking out of here, dropping out of here like flies and entering eternity as a murderer, a liar, a thief, a fornicator, well, I can't help it to let people know that you're going to perish. You're going to perish if you don't stop sinning and take your salvation seriously. Because I was saying that too. I'm like, y'all ain't taking your salvation seriously. Oh, yes, we are. No, you're not. Not by some of these activities, you know. Anywho, back over here to the scriptures, right? Verse 12, therefore, okay, and this, therefore, is coming off the heels about how we must consider ourselves to be dead to sin and our relationship to it broken. So, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts and passions. Do not go on Offering members of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but offer yourselves to God in a decisive act as those alive raised from the dead to a new life. Amen. Oh, Holy Spirit, this this is wonderful. Paul is is preaching us to have no no he is exhorting us to have a new mindset he's like listen we should be living our lives 
appreciative of the fact that we are no longer on our way straight to a burning hell as we await final judgment, but to live as one being brought back from the dead to new life that have Oh, that have right standing with holy God. No longer are we condemned to the lake of fire. So we should be living in a decisive act. We should be living as those alive, raised from the dead to a new life. Amen. And then he says, right... But offer yourselves to God in a decisive act as those alive raised from the dead to a new life. And your members, all of your abilities sanctified, set apart as instruments of righteousness yielded to God. See, beloved, we must be yielded to the Father. And what does yielded means? In a nutshell, it means to give way. To, to give way to demands, arguments, pressure. It means to surrender, relent, submit, admit defeat. Throw your hands up. It means to concede, accept. It means to give up the struggle, give in, knuckle under. It means, let me see. It means to comply with, conform to, agree to, consent to, be guided by, heed, pay attention to, allow, warrant, sanction. The opposite of what Paul is telling us, because Paul is telling us to submit ourselves to God. Just like James was telling us, James 4, 7, submit yourselves to God Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So the opposite of that is to resist God. To defy God. To, to defy means to openly resist or refuse to obey. Oh, beloved, don't you get it? Please tell me you are getting this. We got to get this. Listen, if you are living a life contrary to God's righteousness and holiness, well, you are living in open defiance. You are openly resisting him. You are openly refusing to obey. So we must do the opposite of defy, and that is to yield ourselves. 
Give it up. Admit defeat. You were a wretched. I was a wretched sinner on our way to hell. We give up our lives. Lord, show us the way to go. Teach us. We we yield these mortal bodies to you. We give you all of us. We completely yield ourselves to you, Lord. No longer are we going to refuse to obey. Beloved, listen, I'm, oh man, the things I can tell. People are living, claiming the name, and some are even going to church, wanting others to go to church. But you are openly defying the Lord. A simple instruction as cover up that body. And you got a problem with that. Just openly refusing. Mm-mm. You're not going to make it. I'm here to tell you. You must repent. Turn around. You're going the wrong way. So back over here to Romans 6, right? Where we are at the end of verse 13, that as instruments of righteousness yielded to God, because Paul is telling us how we should, um, oh, no, 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 what we should be doing with these, these members, these bodies of ours, not yielded and, and offered up to, to sin. And, and wickedness, no. But offer ourselves to God in a decisive act. Yes, on purpose. On purpose. On purpose that will result in a definite result. Yes, we must on purpose determine that this is how I'm going to live. I'm going to live for God. A decisive act. So, all of your ability, sanctified, set apart as instruments of righteousness, yielded to God. Verse 14. And, and I believe, yep, verse 14 was when... The lights came on. It was like in verse 14, something clicked in my born again brain for sin. Listen, okay, because listen to how this had been flowing, right? We know we must consider ourselves, thank you, Holy Spirit, dead to sin. And that how our relationship that we once had with it, well, is broken. It's broken now. So Paul was like, well, since that's the case, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. No longer does sin have controlling dominance over you so that you obey its lust and passion. Mm -mm. Stop that. No more of that. Do not go on offering 
members of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. No, we can't do that. Listen, because verse 14 is telling us why all what he just told us to do, it is doable. You want to know why? Mm. Sin will no longer be a master over you. That's how. That is how we can consider ourselves dead to sin. Sin no longer is your master. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. How come I didn't get this memo before? Well, because I was steeped in sin. You're not going to get the memo. The light is not going to come on because you still, like I was, still in the darkness. Because see, Jesus said in John 8, 12, the fact that he is light and those who are in him will not stumble along in the darkness. As a matter of fact, let let me go to it. So I am not taking him out of context. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. Here we go. Verse 12. Uh-huh. He was saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the dark in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is saying that since we have him who is the light, well, since we follow him, we will not walk in the darkness. Why? Because we have him. Glory be to God. So, back over here to Romans 6, right? Well, we just found out sin no longer is your master since you are not under law as slaves but under unmerited grace as recipients of God's favor and mercy what then are we to conclude shall we sin because we are not under law but under God's grace certainly not See, and you know what? I am so glad, Holy Spirit, that Paul addressed this because I'm quite sure he had the same thought. Oh, if we start preaching on God's grace, which, which by the way, is truly amazing and we don't even deserve it. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. Paul knew because the Holy Spirit told him that people would be like, huh, so you mean tell me that I can sin willy-nilly because, you know, God's grace got me covered. And Paul was like, uh-uh, don't, don't even fix your face. Don't even think about it because he has now addressed this rhetorical question twice at the beginning of the chapter and down here in verse 15 so what then because think about it yes holy spirit 
verse 14 was just telling us, confirming us, and prayfully settling the matter. But verse 14 was saying, for sin will no longer be a master over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. And I'm quite sure Paul was like, oh, wait a minute, don't, don't even start it. So you mean tell me, well, well, I can sin, right? No. Because then he says, what then are we to conclude? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under God's grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that when you continually offer yourselves to someone to do his will, you are the slaves of the one whom you obey? Either slaves of sin, which leads to death. Or of obedience, which leads to righteousness, right standing with God. But thank God that though you were, see beloved, so stop saying how we all sinners. No, we were. We, we were. Paul says, but thank God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient with all your heart to the standard of teaching in which you were instructed and to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, thank you, I'm so glad he said this, we have been set free because some of y'all still talking about we all still sin, we all sinners, you mean tell me you don't sin, you mean tell me you never have any lustful thoughts, we ain't supposed to though, see this is the part that I'm now not getting. Are you not even studying this? You don't have to be a slave to sin because by crying that out, you are in fact saying you still are a slave. You still sound like a slave of sin. You sound like sin still got you by the short and curlies. No, sin don't. Not if you are truly born again, it doesn't. So, where we at? Mm-hmm. Verse 18, Romans 6. So, we are about to wrap this up because it's only 23 verses. So, listen, verse 18. And having been set free from sin, you have become the slaves of righteousness. This is what we are slaves to, righteousness, of conformity to God's will and purpose. I am speaking in familiar human terms because of your natural limitations, your spiritual immaturity. For just as you present, I, I love this part here, listen, for just as you presented your bodily members as slaves to impurity and to moral lawlessness 
leading to further lawlessness? So now, so now, offer your members, your abilities, your talents as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. That is being set apart for God's purpose. Amen. Paul is like, okay, I'm about to break it down to you all, right? Paul is like, as much energy you put into being a slave to sin, wickedness, unrighteousness, you know what? Keep that same energy. Mm -hmm. Keep that same energy that you broke your neck for sin. Well, keep that same energy and now put it toward righteousness. All of that energy you spent to commit sin, resisting God, being defiant, defying all of his holy standards. Well, that same vigor. That same energy, that same zeal, put it for righteousness now. Yes. Glory to the Lamb of God. Verse 20. When you were slaves of sin, right? You were free in regard to righteousness. You had no desire to conform to God's will. So Paul is like, what benefit did you get at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? None. And he's right. No benefit we received from acting like a crazy person on our way straight to certain damnation. We ain't get no benefit from that. For the outcome of those things is death. But now, since you have, oh, look, look, he, oh, man, please, I pray. I'm going to use my bell in a minute. I pray you all are getting this. We have been set free from sin. It no longer has shackles. On our lives. You don't have to be a slave to homosexuality. You don't have to be a slave to smoking weed and cigarettes. You don't have to be a slave to wine and beer and, and, and alcohol. You don't have to be a slave to sorcery and witchcraft. You don't have to be a slave to lying and stealing and murdering and cutting up. No, beloved, you have been set free. Christ Jesus has set you free. He told us if the Son has set you free, free from what? sin, then you, by golly, you are free indeed. Amen. So, where we leave off? Verse 22. Uh, right. Verse 22. But now, 
since you have been set free from sin and have become willing slaves to God? Yes. You, you have your benefit. Because see, Paul is like, there's no benefit in being a slave to sin. None whatsoever. You may think it's some benefit to keep sleeping with that married man. But that will only lead to the lake of fire. Rest assured. So he's saying. Since we now been set free from sin. And have become willing slaves to God. You have your benefit. Which is what? Resulting in sanctification. Meaning what? Being made holy. And set apart for God's purpose. And the outcome of this. You want to talk about a benefit. Okay. The benefit of obeying God. Listening and following Jesus. Paul is about to tell us what the benefit of being obedient and enduring until the end. The benefit of running this race. The benefit of considering yourself to be dead to sin and no longer are you going to use the members of your bodies for wickedness. The benefit of living a clean and holy chaste life is eternal life. You and I get to spend all of eternity with the Father and the Son. Inheriting the kingdom of God. That's the benefit. So if you think some two minute thrill in somebody's defiled bed is a benefit, you are deceived. And if you don't stop it, and if you don't repent, you're going straight to a burning hell. Listen, verse 23, okay? Beloved, verse 23, Romans 6, verse 23, in these 20 words that that is laid out in verse 23 summarizes encapsulate the whole entire Bible yes Holy Spirit verse 23 was laid out in Genesis Chapter 2, <coughs> excuse me, verse 23 is what the Lord God was telling Adam. Mm -hmm. And he's telling us today, verse 23 is the gospel. Listen to verse 23. <coughs> For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, that is his remarkable, overwhelming gift of grace, 
to believers is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Because you see, the Lord God told Adam that you can eat freely, freely from every tree that's in the garden. And I'm quite sure he must have pointed to the to the tree that he was about to tell Adam not to eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, he is saying, for in the day that you disobey me, if you commit sin and break my commands, you shall surely die. That's it. That's crystal clarity. But what happened? Satan comes along. No, you won't. No, you won't. God said, the day in which you disobey me, you will surely, most certainly, die. No, you won't. For God knows in the day, blah, 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 blah. Uh-uh. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin. Okay. If you and I continue to sin up until the day we draw our last breath. And we enter eternity as a sinner claiming the name. But when correction and teaching came your way about how you are on your third spouse and you have a living covenant spouse, you, Jesus says, you are committing adultery. Both Jesus and the apostles and God the Father told us clearly and those of the and those of the prophets <clears throat> excuse me I just had some orange juice and it's sticking in the back of my throat told us clearly that the wages of sin is death I know I'm being repetitive for a reason we cannot continue to live in wanton sin and still expect that God's grace is going to usher us into the kingdom. I don't know why some of you are not over there in Titus 2.11. Titus 2.11, I love it because God's grace, it teaches us to reject ungodliness. God's grace doesn't cover our foolishness and then turn a blind eye. Are you, 
Are you crazy? Do you really think God is okie doke with sin and that His grace just got you cover, covered no matter how you live? Y'all are serving a false God and a fake Jesus. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Because, see, that Jesus says, oh, don't worry about it. You are good to go. All you got to do is just believe in me. Beloved, I keep telling you all on the podcast. Jesus was not saying have a mental assent about me. John, but Cynthia, John 311. Well, yes, it's wonderful, isn't it? See, it says if we believe, again, do you think Jesus is saying that the Father wants us to only have a mental assent about Jesus? Believing means that you will obey. Believing in, trusting in, and relying on him. Oh, beloved. That's it. I'm not going to exhaust it anymore. Well, not today anyway. Because I need to go and rest this throat, obviously. But listen, okay. I'm going to leave us in 2 Timothy. Hold on, let me let me pull this up for you guys. Second Timothy, what I say is Second Timothy two nineteen. Uh huh. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord stand apart from wickedness and withdraw. From wrongdoing. Amen. Let's see how the King James says this. Uh-huh. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that name it the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Amen. And what is iniquity well it is wickedness sinfulness immorality vice evil what else it says here uh 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 ungodliness godlessness wrongdoing transgression wrong And what is the opposite of iniquity? Well, goodness and virtue. That's all that it needs to say. Because virtue is behavior showing high moral standards. Yeah. Are you living a life that is demonstrated by high moral standards? Uh-huh. What about goodness? Is your life characterized by goodness? Is Do you have the quality of being morally good or virtuous? Or, uh, or virtuous? 
Because, see, that's what goodness is all about. Is this quality showing up in your life? Are you demonstrating fruits of the Spirit? Let's go to it. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Look at verse 24. Galatians 5.24 And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Amen. That's it, beloved. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, hallowed be thy holy name. Father, we pray that your kingdom come, your goodness, your grace, your kindness, your mercy is untold. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that you have shown me the way to go. Thank you by your spirit for, for making your word plain and clear. Teach us daily, Father. We, we do want to learn. We know that we have been given a set number of days in this earth. So, we see over here in 1 Peter chapter 1 how we are to be with these few days we have on this earth. Starting in verse 13, 1 Peter 1. We are to gird up the loins of our minds. We are to be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Amen. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth, judgeth according to every man's work past the time of your sojourning here in fear. Amen. Father, I love how the the amplify the amplified quotes verse 17. It says 
if you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in reverent fear of him and with profound respect for him throughout the time of your stay on earth. Amen. For you know that you were not redeemed from your useless, spiritually unproductive way of life inherited by tradition from your forefathers with perishable things like silver and gold. But you were actually purchased with precious, <clears throat> excuse me, with precious blood like that of a sacrificial lamb unblemished and spotless, the priceless blood of Christ. Amen. Oh, Father, sometimes words fail me to completely, <clears throat> to completely express my gratitude for what you have done for me and what you have done for my brothers and sisters in the faith. Oh, Father, I pray. I pray for the saints that they may hold fast to Jesus' word and to only receive his instruction in righteousness. Oh, Father, time Time is running out. Before long, we will be in eternity. I pray that we hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Father, we repent. We repent of any wrongdoing that we have committed this day in your sight. Forgive us, Father. Do not take your Holy Spirit from us. And may we go forth in complete, certain obedience. No longer making provision for the flesh. No longer using the members of our bodies for unrighteousness. But now... We use these members for your purpose and for your will, for your will as we yield to righteousness. Thank you, Father. We love you. We give you glory. We give you honor this day. We lift up your name. Hallowed be thy holy righteous name, Father. Thank you for sending Jesus to save us. Thank you for sending Holy Spirit to train us in righteousness, setting us apart, sanctifying us, consecrating us, so that we may be obedient to Christ, walking as he walked, in excellence, obedience to you, Father. It's not burdensome. It's, it's not burdensome, Father, not at all to obey. 
is not is not burdensome to the ones who are in fact taking their salvation seriously we know the price that the Christ paid in order for us to have right standing with you we understand it completely thank you father we are eternally grateful 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 that we are walking in the newness of life we have been born again thank you that we have been born again from the spirit of god help renew our minds daily we depend heavenly on you father not on the world not on the bishop not even on our own selves but you we give it up father we give up we give up our lives to you we surrender i got my hands up i surrender it all father i don't, i don't want this world i don't want nothing in it i know i'm in it i'm living in it but i would not be of it of its evil schemes and superficial godless satanic luciferian babylonian values mm -mm. absolutely not thank you father in jesus mighty name i pray amen amen glory be to god all right beloved repent and believe stop sinning and turn back to god bad company will in fact corrupt good morals we got to be we got to be careful beloved we got to be so careful and watchful who we allow into our lives as well meaning as they may be but we must keep them at an arm's length they may not want god but we do i love you my brothers and sisters be well live clean be holy and lord willing until next time i shall be speaking to you all soon bye for now for tuning in i truly appreciate all your support until next time i'll be talking to y'all soon bye